Hi, I'm Miranda Priestley, spiritual successor in the softcore straight-to-video film The Devil Wears Nada, Condé Nasty. And I also took it really hard when Justin Timberlake and I broke up. I'm Ursula the Sea Bitch. And this is... Ooh, reading reading Drag, Drag Race. The show where we talk about whatever we want. But mostly Drag Race. Ooh, girl, we have a lot to talk about tonight. Thing, A lot of things happened. I... I feel very attacked by, Ooh, by, by this bitch. week's episode. Yeah. What no. was any of that? I, I Yes. Uh, and we'll get right into that. First, I want to introduce this week's guest. She's our first return guest. It's that girl down the street that you don't like. Hi! I'm so excited. Well, How I, you do? You enjoy people's failure. Of course you're excited. This. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's... Where's the lie? Schadenfreude is really your middle name. Well, I, I experienced my own failure in that I watched this week's episode with uh, my parents. And uh, they're, they're, they're the most supportive parents in the world, but sometimes they don't always feel, uh, you know, capable of excusing themselves when they don't want to be a part of something. <laughs> Ooh, I accidentally watched the first episode of Game of Thrones with my parents, so I think I might win awkward cable television parent watching. But You didn't. <laughs> His parents can handle nudity. Yeah, no, they don't well, mind the couldn't. nudity. <laughs> okay, so let's start on a sweet note. Uh, Kahana's goodbye message was genuinely nice. Yeah, like, no. no shade, no no reading of any kind. That was just like a nice thing she said about the people around her. And it was like a nice reminder of people's humanity. So I, I have nothing bitchy to say. Yeah, no, Kahana is actually the really good, sweet person that I like dated three iterations of in my 20s. Like that like eternal optimist good spirit is like, oh, you're so sweet. You weren't ready to be here, but you're so sweet. Yeah, no, no real craziness in the, in the wrap up. No one had a meltdown. No one threw a tantrum. Um, yeah, nothing particularly interesting. Yeah, in I think wrap. we get right into the mini challenge. So, the mini challenge. It's a cute idea, but it it, led, is. it led me to think some things. It crystallized some things for me. So, so go with me as I as I as I walk down the path of my thoughts. Um, I I realize more than ever. The mini challenges are about making Rue laugh, not about being good. Yeah. And I don't know about that. But okay, I'll 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 let you go. We're gonna follow you. It just um like like was Nina okay, I'll say this. The ones that did the most well had the most specific thought. Like the most developed thing that was the most ridiculous. In the end, I kind of didn't care about any of them. Like, none of them grabbed me, per se, but a couple of them made Rue chuckle, and that seems to be the, the line, which is fine. It's a mini-challenge run by Rue, and it's one slim step above pulling names out of a hat, which is fine. Like, I'm not bothered by any perceived intellectual integrity problems with the mini-challenges, but as much as Nina's got praised, it, was, it wasn't bad, certainly. It was a idea that was fully executed. I just didn't care, and that's kind of where the mini-challenge... Well, I think that was because no one cared about this mini-challenge, because it was inherently, like, the premise of it was just kind of meh to begin with. It's like, like, ah, get your way back into a club. Like, it's not that 
crazy. So I think a there few weren't people many specifics surrounding it either. To do well with it, despite that. I don't know. I feel like what uh, Raja did really well. Nina did really well. They were both like standouts for me because they brought something bigger than themselves there where a lot of girls didn't. And then like Silky showed up with just herself. Yeah. But, you know, I my, my honestly, note... like I feel like Silky won, but they weren't going to give it two or three weeks in a row. So she didn't win. But that's the only reason she didn't win. Yeah, my note that I wrote down for myself is, quote, uh, Silky gonna Silky. And that's what Silky yeah. did. For sure. Silky. Um, on this mini challenge, I do feel like a lot of the other ones sort of inherently have a, and make us laugh doing this. This mini challenge is really, like, it's so freeform and substantive. It's, like, lacking in substance that you really, the, the challenge is, can you deduce that enough that you're going to come with a full character and your own jokes to it? To make us laugh. And I feel like Nina did that and really, really well. And I knew she had that in there, her, so I was glad to see it. Raja, I actually really, I like, Raja, I was the least excited about at the beginning. I thought she did a really good job kind of playing a cliche sort of streetwalker. I definitely girl. loved the, like, good fur. Yeah, 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 yeah. Baby, <laughs> it's, my it's, baby, it's me, it's me, it's my good fur. It's my good fur, baby. Yeah. Uh, I liked uh, um, I liked Plastique and Vanjie. I think they also were like up there to to the extent of like doing something complete. I like the two of them too. I see. I like the two of them. I wasn't really impressed with their performances here. Well, but I honestly, them. honestly, did we even see enough of Plastiques to really oh, yeah. be able to like say really much of anything? It's like, for sure, for sure. We, we heard her make a noise, a hair flip, and a noise. <laughs> Is that the other problem still at the mini challenge at this stage of the game? Is is it's still like we have to get through like four hundred queens? There's like yeah. there's a there's an army of Italian waiting to do their mini challenge, and you got to move. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that's totally it. It's not like a photo shoot where we have to see a little bit of every girl. This is something else entirely. Just like move it along, sister. Get yeah, to pretty stuff. much. You got to, st- and that's honestly how I feel about this podcast. Like. Early on, I'm going to cover all of you. Now, you better stand out, bitch, or we ain't talking about you. Um, so. Yeah. yeah. No, oh, so, my my idea, just because I do this when I watch the mini challenges, because I am exactly that queen, I would have pulled out my black wig and pretended to be Michelle Visage, trying to get in like I'm late for the show. Maybe I'm drunk. I decide in the moment. That was my idea. And I, I like it. <laughs> oh, and Silky knocked down a wall. The poor PA who had to put that wall back. Come on. Yeah, I know. I know. I was like, did they stop her? Were they like, we're going to open the door. We can't afford this. World of Wonder does not have a budget for Silky to be burying into, bearing into fake walls left, right, and center. Yeah. All right. So, so Nina and uh, Roger are the winners. Roger. Um, okay. Can I say this about the, like, team picking? Because when they did the team picking, I was like, okay, this makes sense, that makes sense, all this makes sense. And then Nina got to picking Brooklyn Heights, and you could tell in the hesitation in her voice, she was like, ah, I'm not doing what's in my best interest in order to appease my friend. Yeah, no, you could see in both her voice and her face that she was like, I'm friends with Brooklyn, so I have to pick Brooklyn now because we've already, like, it's... They started up divvying up who's done well in acting challenges, or last week's acting challenges, which made sense. 
And then when Nina picked Brooklyn, the look in her face, the, the sound in her voice, you could tell she was like, this is not a strategically optimal choice, but we're friends, so I have to. Yeah. Um, and I love that the production was shady enough to, like, make sure to keep all of that in. <laughs> <laughs> who else was, do you remember who else was left at that point? Like, was there a better choice hanging out there? I don't remember this. Uh... There definitely was. I remember watching it. Akira was still there. Yeah. Well, Akira was picked second to last, and I think she's she has been giving me B plus all competition. She's somebody I would have picked way but before Brooklyn. Had. Brooklyn, uh, I mean, what is it? I'm pretty sure that Brooklyn was the last pick for Nina because the last one she got auto assigned. I don't think so. I think yeah, Brooklyn no, was picked because Akira went with um, Raja, Raja, and then Mercedes ended up with Nina. Okay. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I could be wrong. Whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say this about the picking. I Look, we all went to gym class. We're all scarred. I get it. But I cannot handle any more drama being wrung out of I was picked last. By definition, because of the rules of Minkowski space-time, someone must be picked last because time happens sequentially here. So while technically I agree with you on that and that the show has historically edited to like make too big of a deal out of that when they need a little filler, I absolutely agree that Akira Davenport's assertion that they must all be blind, crippled, and crazy is not unfounded. You're she not did, wrong. She was she she is she has been talented so far and she should have been picked earlier. I will agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I like anyways, moving on. Yeah. Uh okay, so uh, the, the, the challenge, the, the diva worship challenge. I gotta say, I liked the idea of this challenge because it is, it's a very gay thing. Like the, you know, like the, the diva worship perfectly on brand and it didn't, they didn't give them scripts. And I was very happy about that because the scripts have been awful, inexcusable. Yep. yep. <laughs> so like just saying, go do something funny is great because in the real world, that's actually what I pay them for. I literally yeah. bring you to a place where I am, give you some of my money in exchange for your services of being funny. So I agree. Real, I real agree. on-brand stuff there. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to this is the problem with any queen who's a team captain. It's like there is a way to do this small a group with a velvet-covered iron fist, velvet-gloved iron fist. You have to push gently. And Nina, I think, like, like Nina charted a course and very diplomatically took her team on it. And that is how you do this. Because you can't just be a straight-up bitch and order people around because they'll get in their feelings. No, you have to come off as a collaborative alpha that yeah. you are leading, yeah. but you're inquiring along the way. If you steamroll, people feel steamrolled. And if you just beta and are like, what do you think? Then you end up with the disaster of the other team. Which is what Yeah, no, yeah. I really appreciated the, are you okay with doing this Mercedes moment where she was just like, this is your role. Are you okay with that? Yeah. <laughs> it was very like, as you said, velvet fist. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, can I just say on the, on the challenge premise, so I feel like televangelists are the right kind of big haired nuts that drag <laughs> culture is ab and gays are absolutely inclined to be like, this is hilarious, but it's also like kind of an instrument of the right. And so I think we as a people are inclined to be a little trepidatious about it. I think that the marriage of 
televangelism and like being a super fan of a diva was a what right way to pull in the ridiculousness of televangelists in a way that like all of us could relate to. Oh no, you know it, I mean? it, it had I that thought, element. I thought that was actually very smart. Yeah, it had that element of like uh, reclaiming something where it was like yeah. we're taking this thing you normally use to bash us to like make it our own and do it our own way and poke fun at how silly you're being by doing it. No, like yeah, excellent satire. Yeah, no, I like the idea of the challenge altogether, except for the like one shot. But we'll get into it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the Mariah team was the perfect example of like no one steering the ship. Like they, if there were one, like okay, if I were on this team, that team would be doing Elaine Stritch, and I'd brook no argument. But I know enough about her, and I care enough about her that I could drag the rest of my team with me. Like, or just, just you would do a laid stretch. I'm not being 100% serious. I'm being like 85% serious. But you <laughs> would do a very like. Good. I know you love her that much, and I know that like you definitely have that wealth of knowledge. But I mean, at some point, you have to be picking it also for the audience but at I, home. And what, what I'm saying is, oh no 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 no. Ursula, first off has Elaine Stridge's haircut <laughs> and would do this excellently in a way that all of us could relate to because who doesn't love a talented, funny, bitchy, more competent than everybody else in the room old lady? Like, she's we're not getting... a, she's, I mean, she's like, she's more of a... <sighs> no. I, I just don't consider her a diva. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, what my point here is, even if I were to lean into a comparatively obscure person... I could get the rest of my team on board with a clear enough vision and a deep enough knowledge base that my 15 out of 10 for her would average out the one out of tens for everyone else. And I agree. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Right. Because decided, nobody knew anything about Mariah. Right. They decided everyone being at a three out of 10 was better than one person being at a 10 out of 10 and everyone else being at a two out of 10. And that's not yes. how it works. Yeah, yeah and, no, the sum of all their parts was like, oh, we have a lot of repeated knowledge and we ended up with a collective three. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. In my in my cisgendered business daddy life, I, I am involved in the formation of some organizations with gays, and I feel like some professional organizations with gays, and I feel like there's there's nothing more depressing to sort of point out how marginalized and forced to be betas we are in our professional lives. Than being a room where everyone's like, well, I don't know. Well, maybe we could do this. Well, maybe we could passively agree until this thing that we were all passionate about at first has become empty and meaningless. And and um, watching. Uh, my soul just died a little listening to that. Oh my God, <laughs> you have no idea what I'm dealing with professionally right now, but we don't need to get into that. Um, the Mariah group was like a like an upsetting upsetting and nowhere near as bad as what I'm actually dealing with reminder of that. Like we're all, we all are forced to be betas and thus none of us can lead. And we're going to just slowly walk ourselves over a cliff by being agreeable and none of us asserting anything. It was, it was like, it was a beautiful slow train wreck. I could not turn away from. (laughs) Oh God. I mean, yeah, you're talking to a person who's uh leadership model is captain picard so i feel your pain like you just need you need a kind competent listener decision maker yeah i'm trying to reel in my inner elaine stretch and turn her into a uh jean-luc picard and it's um it's a journey it's a a journey journey 
Oh my gosh, so that Mariah group. I, I really like the thing when, when they were like, so should we switch? And Scarlett was just like, no. I think we should stick with what I we have. I think we should stick with what we have. I was just like, you should go you home. You should go home yeah. for this. Yeah, that's <laughs> how I feel, honestly. So I was shocked that no one threw her under the bus because. No, we'll, we'll get to the bus. I we'll, would have. We'll get to the very lonely bus later. Um, the one thing I'm going to say is this is the second time in a row that Rue has come into the workroom and overtly done stuff. Like, it it was much more urgent this time because I'm sure the terrified production assistant watching this from afar with a headset in a dream was having a meltdown. So, like, Rue coming in and being like, what do you, like, this isn't like the standard Tim Gunn, I'm going to ask you pointed questions and give you eyebrows this was like there's an iceberg directly ahead of you and no one listened it was this was a less this was a more needed and less ridiculous intervention than last week when she was stirring the pot with silky but it does say something about the season that they've literally had to call in mother two episodes in a row to like make the workroom do what the workroom should have been doing on its own yeah so um in actuality, since at least season 10, I, I've listened to more of, of What's the Tea than anyone should. And based on things I've read, I'm, I'm familiar with people close to the show. Uh, Rue kind of had made a point to be diplomatically hands-off with the queens for a long time. And by season 10, she was coming in and doing a walkthrough and not trying to remain impartial or anything like that. Since then, every episode... What is noteworthy about this is, A, they don't have enough material or and or they are misguided in their own choices that now they're editing in those moments with Rue because she's been doing that since season 10, if not earlier. And she definitely did it with the All-Star seasons, the last two All-Star seasons. I'll, I'll say yeah. this about what's the team. The they gotta... need to make Rue a character now because these girls are so bland is fucking hilarious yeah. to me. And I'll say this about what's the tea. You got to pick and choose. You pretty much have to already like the guest and then it's not bad. Um, <laughs> I disagree. I enjoy Tracy Ellis Ross. Talking about going to Diana Ross's house for dinner was a lovely way to commute to work. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say? Uh, oh, oh, I have a question and I'm going to ask in advance for no judgment. But did you know that Mariah Carey fans were called lambs because... I've been a Mariah Carey fan since the early 90s when I was a tiny gay boy lip-syncing to Vision of Love in my bathroom, and I did not know that. I literally asked the other people I was watching with if Rue was setting them up, and everyone who was within one year of my... Everyone I was watching with is a plus-minus one year of my age, and we all had to pull out our phones to check if Lambs was a thing because we legit thought Rue was setting them up. I think that's something that only recently, like... It only is, like, I mean, did you ever know of any fan base having a name for their fan base prior to Lady Gaga? No! Like, they were from an era when you didn't need to name your fans, they were just fans. Yeah, no. Like, yeah, thank thank you. I, I, feel... think, I think that that's an artifact of the fact, like, Mariah's trying to stay relevant in a world post-Gaga. Okay. Um, I actually they... didn't know that, but I honestly think... For a gay man, I know surprisingly little about Mariah Carey. And I did know that. I don't know why. Um, but I, I do I, think... I feel seen. I feel validated. And that's all I needed. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. 
Well, I'm there with you, apparently. <laughs> While we're on the subject of Mariah Carey's relevance, uh, I just listened to Caution like a month ago. That is a fucking good album. Full stop. No, like, heard... for her age, for the time, for the whatever. That is just a fun fucking album that lasts exactly 60 minutes and is entirely worth your time. Unsponsored plug. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Okay, but what did you think about, like, the actual challenge once it started? Ooh, um, I agree with you that the one take, the, like, doing it live... Okay, the doing it live is thematically, technically appropriate because these shows were done live, so I get it. They didn't have to do it, but it wasn't like they couldn't do it. And I will say, I would... Even, even getting to... Even holding off on the train wreck that is to come, I would much rather watch one train wreck straight through... Then watch like, you know, the uh, editing on the final product, right? And the thousand times of her trying to say, uh, like, when Raja kept boffing her line in the Black Panther thing, it's like I don't need to listen to her say this line wrong one more time. So, yeah. in the balance, it was a it w- it was a stunt. It largely worked for me, um, and I think it did it did do that thing that the acting challenges are supposed to do and separate out the wheat from the chaff because the minute the camera was on starting at the top of this challenge, Miss Nina fucking West was in her element. This was, this is what Nina came for. Nina, this is like a duck in water. It was just, can I sidebar about Nina for a second, please? I was on her Instagram because I follow Nina West and she has done a series of Instagram things as this character, like Instagram videos and at the bottom, there scrolls across a telephone number. And so I called it, and it is an actual 800 number done by Nina West in her character that is for the Work Bitch Network. And I lived and died and lived all over again for the fact that she is that thorough. She's that thorough. I love Nina West. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> I, I knew of Nina West, and I knew that she had this in her. I'm not gonna, it's, we're only on episode three, but I'm not gonna lie. I was like, I need Nina to have her moment. And so I do think she did a good job in the weird mini challenge. I thought she fucking killed it in the maxi challenge. Like, this is a bizarre maxi challenge and really challenging, and I am impressed that either team managed to pull it off near flawlessly, like in a way that was absolutely arably excellent. And Nina was a big part of the like setting the cadence that made this work. I knew she had this in her. I'm so glad she had her moment to shine. I hope we have more. She fucking killed it. Oh, no, I, I was so impressed. I'll say it this way because it's uh, it's a good time as any to talk about Vanjie, who was great. Vanjie was very Vanjie, but a less competent leader would have been derailed by like Vanjie. Part I think part of why Miss Vanjie going to a 11 worked so well was because Nina kept the overall tone and tempo intact. So her doing all the, the, the extra hair flips and the, I thank myself, which was gold, but it could have easily upset the tempo fatally. And Nina knew how to like, let the person on stage have their moment. Well, again, being that very, like, I'm, I'm, I'm very gently keeping us moving where we need to keep going and like her transitions were really good and her like, and and it gave it the bookends to like keep everything consistent. So like, it felt like a finished piece. Absolutely. And that's all oh, on her. 
Absolutely. No, she was definitely a strategist throughout this challenge. But I'll say this, like, uh, I I also think that next to her, Brooklyn Heights brought literally nothing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, she was fine as, like, the, like, you're going to say one thing and then I'm going to run with it. Do you know what I mean? Like, Brooklyn was, like, she didn't stand out as terrible, but she definitely was, like, Thank God her, by a long shot. Thank God her role was hype girl because she wasn't going to be a star on her own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I will say on Vanjie, she picked the perfect hair that she could look like a kind of older lady on a televangelist show, but could do a hair flip, but could get the hair flips to go back to looking like a proper church lady's hair in no second. Um, I hear what you were saying about Nina, and I agree with you, but I frankly think that Nina recognized that Vanjie is, like, fucking gold and was like, I'm going to let, I'm going to let Vanjie Vanjie because that is fucking priceless and I'm going to be sure to transition smoothly in and out of it. But, like, I frankly think anybody who had Vanjie on their team doing that was lucky to have Vanjie. She was absolutely, like, Nina and Vanjie to me. Everybody else did fine for the they most were part. Great. Oh, and Vanjie were like what made it. And, and Vanjie did one of the things I love most in live performing. And I do enough live performing to know this. You're going to fuck up. You're going to drop a line. You're going to uh, move to the wrong spot. Something's going to go wrong. And it's out of do your it control. Character? And stay, yes, she, she covered the fuck up in character to the point that if you had told me they scripted that, I would like 75% believe you for a minute before dismissing it, but it was like, she didn't get out of character to cover the fuck up. And most of the time when you're doing something live, the audience doesn't know you fucked up unless you tell them you fucked up. And that was so great to watch. And I'll even say the skit was well done. Like Mercedes fell flat, um, obviously, but like, like doing the skit of like shaving Evie's head to reveal the shaved head. I'm like, that is detail work, ladies. Well done. Like you, there's, it's a classic Britney bit, and you found a way to like organically, quickly, easily work it in, and it ultimately and it served your your narrative. Like it was just the little shit like that. I would love to go. That's like some untucked footage I'd like to see. I want to see who came up with that because they deserve like a like a little gold star on on their drag notebook for that. Yeah, one. no the the level and frequency of Britney puns and Britney shenanigans was just off the chart through the whole thing. And I loved it. Yeah, I no. thought it was great. Yeah, no, I, I felt like early on this season, I was like, oh, it's the pageant girl season. But between last week and this week, I'm like, there are some really fucking phenomenal actresses in this season. I did not think either team would be able to pull off what the Britney team pulled off as a whole. Like, in one shot? Are you kidding me? They fucking killed it. Um, it I Yeah. I, but I will say this. Evie Oddly's weird ribbed shaved head... I want to be able to get my eyes to stop staring at it. I can't stop staring at it. I'm like, are those scars? Like, what's happening there? That's weird. Yeah. I, I hear you. Yeah. Uh, what'd you think of the singers? Uh, uh, that was the most take it or leave it part for me. Musical parody is a real, it's, uh, it, it's a very fine line. It's kind of like improv for me where it's either, the fucking funniest thing you've ever seen in your entire life and you're like crying and peeing your like all the moisture leaves your body at once because it's so amazing and anything even a micron short of that level is just insufferable and this actually landed at fine 
so it's fine. But it's one of those, like, I, I, I clench when I see people do musical parodies that haven't been real super vetted. Like, it's just like, this could be... And it was fine. It was fine. It was fine. I, and I honestly feel like Ariel closing by doing that, like, touch my ear, soft, like, I can choir girl sing Britney <laughs> moment was, like, the only thing that made it, like, you added enough Britneyisms to that that I feel like you did it in a way that gave me a touch of Britney and was fun, like Britney in the nineties yeah. pretending she could sing ah. that I liked it, but I was um, like, I think the musical part didn't detract from the good of everything else, but it was the most underwhelming. That said, I think Ariel did a good job of channeling a little Britney cartoonishisms. I'll, I'll, I, I don't think they did like an overtop parody like they could have, but I'll say this. I think the lyrics were very strong because I mean, it was like everything else full of Britney puns. So I mean, I guess I didn't listen to them closely enough to catch them. Oh no. Like the whole thing was like, it was a traditional hymn, but replaced with words that were exclusively Britney puns. It like, I mean, you guys are talking about their singing quality, and I'm like, they can't sing. Get over it. They aren't supposed to be able to sing. They're drag queens. What they did was funny, and it was full of puns. I'm here for it. I showed up. I'm here for it. I clearly missed that. Uh, I believe it. I'll say this. The other group, their thing, no puns. Made no sense. What the fuck? Like, this one was actually, like, pun test. Yeah, I, liked now, it. I think we've raved about Britney. <laughs> I think it's time to move on to the glorious, glorious train wreck that is Mariah. <laughs> and I and I, I want to apologize at the top here because I I love Mariah. I, I have been a Mariah Carey fan for most of my gay life, and this was... She she's had a rough couple of years and she didn't deserve this. She did nothing wrong. Leave Mariah alone while we're at just I just... <laughs> Leave her alone. Leave her alone. <laughs> I just so yeah, and from the jump, from the first word that fell out of it wasn't was it shook was it was Sh- Scarlet. Scarlet. Scarlet, thank you. I was like it was one of them one of them talked first. Uh, so Scarlet was bad. Sugar was not as bad, but Sugar was also like, Sugar was trying to do what Brooklyn had done and didn't have a partner who could allow her to do that. Our, I, I gotta say, we're gonna talk about all of them. They were that bad. <laughs> like, yeah. everything was bad. Yeah, the no, I will say that. The makeup and hair was terrible. It was just... <laughs> they looked like they were like, you know, not even like... Not even, like, they looked like they were caught in a storm. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, like okay, I understand not everyone has the cultural references for this very particular piece of Americana. But, girl, you're, you're in the same room with the other people who do. Just, just if you have peripheral vision, you could have gotten a few notes. Like, I... Yeah, so I felt like Suga's uh, hair and makeup, part of me was like, is this a choice or is this... Like, was this a character choice that was kind of bad? Or was it, like, she did it that bad? I couldn't really tell. I actually felt that um, Scarlet struggled and was, like... uh, Scarlet struggled pausing. Like, there were parts of it that she was doing well, but she was struggling pausing. And I felt like it's kind of like playing tennis. Like, when you are playing against somebody who is bad, your game suffers. And I felt like Suga was doing the best she could... 
but like you can only volley so much back if it's not coming back at you. Do you know what I mean? Like no, no. like there was they were all bad. Sugar did bad. Scarlet did bad. Everyone else did bad. There's no redeeming them. They all sucked. They were bad. Everyone was bad. Quit trying to make like excuse sugar. She was bad. It was awful. But end of story. She was awful. Everyone was awful. <laughs> it was so bad. Ooh, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I think it's I think it steamrolls. I think Sugar came with the right energy, but was pausing, and Scarlet was pausing, and they couldn't like set the cadence to get it going. And then, I mean, you're right, everyone was bad, but I I don't think that particularly Sugar. I felt like she had the right energy for it, but it was like this might work if you alpha, but it definitely won't work if you beta. Um, but, uh, moving on to, uh, Plastic Tiara, what did you think of Plastic Tiara, What did you think of Ariana Grande? I don't know. I kind of, uh, I, it kind of did it for me, uh, in okay. a, for the first two seconds. Go with me. Go with me. Yeah, it, no, I'm listening. It, it was specific, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I think in the right context, she had the right voice to be like, I'm being sweet and innocent, and then I'm like the devil. I think if she set up any kind of exorcism happening or something, it could have worked and been hilarious. That she was just randomly going into it was like, what the fuck is happening right now? Um, I think, didn't they get the name of Mariah's movie wrong? They yeah. said Sparkle. They said Sparkle and it was Glitter. That's how unfamiliar <laughs> they were. No, it was all terrible. No, no one think. Uh, uh, my thing with Plastique was I thought she had an idea, you know. Like, and I'll yeah, take no, she that... did. She did have an idea, and she performed it well, but it wasn't contextualized enough to be like redeeming. Um, and honestly, I really like Akira. I was surprised that she came out kind of dressed like a regular girl, being an Ariana fan. Like, like the I think the judges panel actually said this. Like, come out with a high ponytail. Do something that's like channeling ariana if you're yeah no i i can't believe she didn't have a ponytail like to be honest like that was just a really big missed opportunity yeah no i i I feel like um sugar and plastique i still think are good actresses but i'm like who this was not working uh yeah and uh Maybe that was just because they made the fundamentally wrong choice to pick Mariah because none of them knew anything about Mariah. Absolutely. I think literally think if one I think we we waxed lyrical <clears throat> about this. Uh and I I stand by it. Like if one of them it's a it's a fucking converting people challenge from jump. If literally one of them was like, I am a super fan of this person whom we have like four stock jokes we can make on you roll with it. This was absolutely, we all collectively know at most Mariah knowledge at like a, I mean, you guys were saying uh, three, I'm going to say two. The only, and they were fucked. Like, the only thing the group did that I thought was redeeming was the honey thing where she converted her using with actual honey. honey. Yeah. So that was the only that, time. That I did was, make me chuckle. I will give that to you. But at the same time, they were so far down the hole at that point. I was like, "You ain't digging yourself out." Yeah, yeah. And then when it, when it transferred to Honey and Raja Davenport having to sing together as church ladies, and they kept making eye contact where they were obviously communicating, "Start now, no start later." That they couldn't even like 
start fucking singing in line or picking a key, I was like, it, it was like three rounds before I realized they, that was set to go tell it on the mountain and go tell it on the goddamn mountain. is like one of the, like everyone knows, literally everyone knows that song. Even the people outside America who don't know American pop culture still know that song. It was just it, like, how could you, how, how, how could you? Well, what's weird to me is like, it's not like, oh, you guys started and one of you was like a second off. It was like, you guys started in a way that you were like, the highs and lows were literally opposite. It was like, Let's do this the worst way possible. Was it almost planned to be as terrible as you could? Because it seemed like that because it was that bad. And I honestly think that in that moment, like, we'll get to it. But I think that's that that moment where Raja was playing the piano was actually on key. And Honey was like starting before her and way the fuck off. I think that was the nail in the coffin for Honey before the lipstick even happened. Uh, can I ask this question? Do you think they misunderstood the challenge in a basic no. way? Like, no. did they think the joke was to skewer the celebrity as opposed to skewer televangelistic uh, worship practice? Like, did I they... think if they had done either of those successfully, that it would have been better than what they had come up with. Fair point. I think they were all beta gays where when Mariah came up, they assumed somebody else knew anything about Mariah. And they're so, I think like people always say this when they're reviewing the show, like the Queens are too aware of the show, aware of the format, aware of the fact that they're being watched. They want to be agreeable in group challenges, yada, yada, yada. I think all of that is true. And I think all these girls were being like nice about Mariah, but nobody knew anything. They made a terrible collective decision. And then even when Rube called them out, they decided to like, steamroll ahead again it was like watching a cult slowly walk over a cliff like just a fucking nightmare from jump (laughs) um and in a weird way it was like this is terrible but i can't stop watching i i I actually like got up from my seat and was squirming during this challenge like i was i was physically visibly uncomfortable oh yeah to the point that it was just like very apparent Oh, it was so bad. Uh, oh, my was, favorite was, moment of the episode, though, was a result of this. When, when Ross goes, my advice, bring it to the runway. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I live because Ross is never that direct. Like, like he, especially when he's paired with Michelle as like co-director, he's the, he's the good cop. Watching Ross be bad cop because it was so inexcusable was great. And Ross, knowing how to act, delivered it perfectly i was i didn't even read it as shady i thought it was like wow you guys fucked up like i just thought it was honest in a way that i mean it, it is kind of shady and we all live for it but more than anything i think like i think he was actually being nice like i yeah i was like that's that's good advice you're very nice for doing that yeah yeah i mean but he was being honest and he wasn't wrong yeah but like, what did you think of the runway this week? What was it? I was fringe. The fringe. All right. Well, we start off with RuPaul in a dark, uh, dark green and black sort of sparkly number, giving us the most classic RuPaul silhouette and look that is so unexceptional. Nobody remembered it, but she looked great in it because she's built like a fashion illustration as always. Yep. Moving on. Uh, to the judges, uh, Scandal's Guillermo Diaz and uh, Troy Sivan. Am I pronouncing that correctly? I am yeah. 200 years old 
and stopped listening to pop music at about the time of the phonograph. So I yeah, have Ursula to is actually a millennial who denies being a millennial, which is real cute all the times. Go <laughs> on. Really funny. <laughs> so I just had no idea who this person was, and I've stopped making myself feel bad about that. He's just very children of the corn. Like, oh my gosh, I love Troy Sivan. I love Troy Sivan too. His oh no, he was videos are amazing. His music is wonderful. Uh, his like runway model boyfriend is very, very handsome. Their little like West Hollywood Instagram, we're a gay couple in love moments are actually like quite cute. I, in a weird way, he feels like a manufactured idea of a gay pop star that never happened, who looks like a caricature of a Children of the Corn twink. Oh, no, in yeah, so I, many ways that it feels like you're finna complete from jump, but he's actually like a super articulate, like and mindful public figure. So I'm glad. Like I'm here for Troy Sivan. I'm here for his music. I'm here for his collaborations with Halsey. I'm here for him as a public figure. Like I'm here for all of it. I know he's definitely <laughs> but, impressed yeah. me. Like I, I just had no idea who he was when he walked down the runway, and the only thought I had watching the two judges come down the run, the catwalk, was, yeah, I'd watch that tape. Well, we don't all have the charm of Elaine Stretch, even a cat in a casket. <laughs> so, but don't get me wrong. He he was he was articulate and insightful and correct in all of his judgments. So I'm, yeah. I'm certainly I just had no idea who he was. That's all. the past several music challenges have actually had his producer as the producer on the show. Like the past several seasons, um, which I enjoy. That like the guy who we often see being like, "Hey, Trixie, go up an octave," is like also the guy who's in the limo with Troy Sivan going to the Grammys. Like, I'm here for it. Hmm. Anyways. I, I learned something today. Yeah, um, and then uh, Guillermo Diaz, you're a Scandal fan. What are your thoughts? Uh, he was he was nice. He's, uh, yeah, he is, he is burly, isn't he? Um, yeah, it's it was fun. It was one of those, like, I don't think, I mean, Scandal's now off the air, and I don't think, I don't know, did he mention having some other projects? So I'm always happy when it's just, I like this show and want to be on this show. That's always super fun for me as a fan. Whereas... And I like that I like that he is like a easily passable straight man, but he's a gay man. Uh, he, he can easily pass as a straight man. Um, he has like a sensuality to him that I remember before even knowing he was gay when he was on Weeds. He's not the most conventionally attractive person, but I found something about him very sexy, and I feel like I feel that way whenever I see him on screen. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm 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 glad he's here. I hope he gets more work. I'm glad he is like out and proud and sort of mixing up representation in his own ways. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he's he yeah he he he'll, he he gives off a vibe of he'll give it to you real good and I, <laughs> but also real tender. Yeah. Speaking of which, do you want to make the obligatory joke about the porn you'd watch with these two? I think that joke's been made, and I'm going to let it speak for itself. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch it. We'd all watch it. We Please, that's neither here nor there. Um, okay, so moving on to the runway proper. The theme is fringe, which felt like like gay Mad Libs. Like they just looked up a list of gay words and pointed at one and said, that's this week's theme. Um, I know. The themes are getting more and more like, guys, start repeating, please. Like... <laughs> Start repeating the good ones from past seasons, for fuck's sake. Yeah, whatever the theme that gave us uh, Kim Chi's disappointed mother, do that one. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, what was it? I, I think with the fridge, though, um, 
when I see all the fridge looks from this week, there's very few of them that I like more than Asia O'Hara, season 10, first episode, doing her fringe. Because fringe is what we wear in Texas when we mean business. Like, that fringe and the way she worked that fucking shit, like, it was better than pretty much everything that happened on this fringe runway. Asia owned, like, I'm a Texas drag queen who knows how to move fringe the way that, like, Roxy Andrews knows how to do some hairography, you know? But, like, I don't expect that of every drag queen. Obviously, that's part of Asia's. Yeah, no. I, sorry for the tangent on Asia. We can, you can fangirl for Asia. Okay. I love dead butterflies. Speaking <laughs> of her. Oh, and we're back to making fun of Mariah Carey. Oh, I love it. Full circle. Yep. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Um, do you want to lead us down that runway, girl? Uh, yeah, well, well uh, I don't remember the order, but uh, so I'm just nice. going to give a look that I love. All of the gays in my fantasy league were shading Nina West's look. And I thought that was silly. I loved it. I thought it was a mix of Phyllis Diller and Miss, Fus- and Miss Fousey, and anyone who's been to gay bars in Chicago knows who that is. And I loved it. I just loved it to pieces. Um, I hear you. It was, like, th- I wish it was any other color because it's so, like, wash away. But I I'll like the hairpiece, like, fringe as hair thing. There, like okay. I just, I literally wish it was any other color, but I'm here for the con, like the concept of the outfit as a whole, and I think she the absolutely movement, yeah, it. yeah. And like, so it's actually a look based off of a Disney Zootopia character. So the hippie Zootopia character with the big bushy hair head. So that's what it's from. Well, she does. Pull so from she pulls from Disney a lot. And apparently that's what it's from. But at the same time, it wasn't enough of a tie-in that I, like... It wasn't her in a classic Minnie Mouse dress, which I would have been like, oh, duh. But, like, it's an esoteric reference for, like, inspiration. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, okay, I like this fringe look. But uh, I think that's the only way we could explain the color choice. Yeah, because honestly, (laughs) here's my thing. She did this in fucking any other color that wasn't like, this is so neutral, it almost looks like a skin tone. I would have lived for it. Like, yeah. I would have thought it was great. I like I like the idea of expanding the fringe to, like, what is, like, the idea of hair in, in track. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, speaking of expanding the idea of fringe, I loved Evie's look. I thought it was, uh, the, her face was beat. It was meticulously realized. Though she did not have to make up her taint. Let's just be clear. That was a choice. She was doing that because she wanted to put her butt on camera. An impulse I understand and empathize with. But let's be honest about who we are and what we want and why we're here. We owe that to each other. Yeah, no. I I lived for this. I literally, like, it was one of those, like, get out of my seat moments I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, everything no. about it was amazing, and I even loved the umbrella. Yeah, no, I I fucking lived for it too. I think she knew exactly how to work it. I thought the way that she like stretched her arms and moved in it. I was honestly curious if she had done it before because I feel like she really knew how to like at certain angles. It definitely was like I've been to the aquarium. That that is that is right, and I felt like 
it's a really weird and specific way that you have to work a runway for that look, and she de- did even that right. Like it, it's apparently the third time she's turned this look, okay. at least. Yeah, I, I follow Evie on I Instagram saw a too. I've, yeah. Of the original blue look, it was originally in blue. Okay, and I, I am so glad that she did it in pink. Yeah, <laughs> it looks great. Yeah, yeah, and I, I like the shoes she wore. I thought they were like boots or stilts at first, and they were just platforms. But the way she like held herself and moved, I, I thought she was like, you know those stilts you see like people in at carnivals where they're like springs that tie onto regular shoe tie? Like I thought she was wearing something bigger than a, than a shoe, and yeah. she wasn't. And that was like all down to her body movement. I thought that was really well achieved. Yeah. Um, I will say I feel like Ariel's payette thing. I love that it's like, hey, I'm going to do fringe, but a little different. Those were not long enough for me to be like, this is excusable. Like, yeah, she I needed it, to, I was to like, be longer if it was going to be fringe. Right. Also, I was that like, did not show up good on TV. Like, no, no, the nobody did not know what to do. That's fringe. Like, I get doing small payettes as your like substitute. I'm going to use a slightly different material, but still be fringe. Cool, then do it. You needed more payoffs if that's what you were doing with this. You did not do the challenge, girl. Uh, Miss Silky's look was unfinished. It was just a sparkly moo-moo, and you could see where it was taped together on the sides. And I know you don't watch uh, Untucked for religious reasons, but it comes up later. It was a tearaway, spoiler alert. Um, on, and it was just, I think three su- runways in a row now, she has put out a subpar look, and they never read her because the minute she gets on stage to be read, we're going to ask why she's still here beyond the fact that uh, she's So shit. I disagree. I think her first look was actually well done. Last week's look was not. This was real basic, and I believe you. It was poorly constructed if you look closely at it. But week one, I respectfully disagree. I think she did a good job week one. I think she's given you, like, big classic diva fringe. But at the same time... I think it's rather basic compared to all these other girls. Yeah. So I I agree with you, essentially. I don't think it was bad. I just think it was basic. And if I I'll guess a shout out to Vanjie in her like she's wearing a fringe bodysuit, but the fine details were there for me, like the the diamond pattern and the cut and the fit were all on point. So it was one of those. Yes, it. It's a simple look, but it's well executed. So I, I oh, no, absolutely. It was a very simple look that was perfectly executed and tailored to her body. So it's like, girl, this was too simple for this runway. But what you did, you did perfectly. What do we think about Honey's look? Uh, I actually, I'm going to, I'm going to say that I wasn't crazy about it. Um, it felt a little like. I don't know. It's like I get that she was trying to do something different, and I know that the like latex or like you know idea of a black leather dress or something fitted in rubber is a big thing in gay and drag culture these days. But there's nothing about the way that it was fringed that added anything. It felt like is this like fetish grieving widow that you're going to like that you're going to have spank you later while she saw? I'm confused. I'm. Pretty sure, like it later came out that it was uh, supposed to be some like take on like response to gun violence, so that might have been where that was coming from. God. But at the same time, I, I, it just didn't. I just got totally lost in it. Yeah, it's un, it's unvaried. If it were the hat with the dress in a different material, like there had to be something to break it up. Yeah, yeah. It, I didn't like. 
the hat only makes sense if you understand the context and contextless it's just like why is what what yeah no what's going on here why like why would you choose this over some like beautiful gorgeous hair yeah no i think there are like you look at it and you're like i mean you could have done something with this conceptually or with this material or with fringing this material but like in the end to me it was it didn't work so like even like Raj O'Hara, like who I'm not crazy about, like Banji did something simple and it was weird because she had like two tones of red, but like watching it on the runway, it really worked for me. It was too simple. Was it too? It was definitely too simple, but it was executed well for what it was. And Honey's was like, it's not working, Honey. Like if you look better, if you don't, if if Raja looks better than you in that, that's a problem. Yeah, because Raj's look was basic. Raj's look was basic. Um, I loved a curious look. That's like three weeks I, in a row she's turned out something that I've at least really liked. Like, oh, no. Akira is a fashion girl. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think anyone thought Akira was going to be a fashion girl, but Akira is a fashion girl. She knows what she's doing. And that dress she wore last week, that material is on the material wall. And she that was perfectly tailored to her body. She obviously sewed that after she got there for week two. This look is fucking amazing. It's gorgeous. It's pageant. It's like high concept. I like that it's like hearkening to some like Asian Asian religious symbols without Making doing me it. Feel right. uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. It's like not. It's not. It's kind of like Game of Thrones. It's not dead on on something enough to be like this is full on appropriation. I live for it. I love it. Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. Did anyone? Did we like anyone else enough to, to talk about? I that? really want to talk about Sugarcane because yes, yes, I thought Sugarcane's look was new and interesting. And I'll say this: the like Alexis Michelle meme, where it's like Sugarcane versus Alexis Michelle, and it's like what you see at the store and what shows up at home. Like I was just like, yes, you're right. She did this Apache look really well. I thought it was great. I love the makeup. I love the hair. I love the whole look. I think it was definitely noteworthy. Okay, I want you to know that no one knows it because it, this is an audio, not visual medium, and I was respectfully holding down my mute button, but I literally was, like, choking to death what you said was so funny. Um, <laughs> that was um, Yeah, I love this look, too. The detail was there, and I, there was something about her makeup and hair that was, like, so fascinating to me because... It could have read like like boy in dress real easy, but it was so completely achieved that it like I don't know I'm I'm having trouble articulating what it was that I found so interesting. It's like it's a very pared down look, and she has a very strong jaw, but like the tiny pieces all put together still rendered this like powerfully feminine rather than accidentally masculine look if that makes any sense totally totally and i i really like that she both had a wrap jacket um that had fringe on it and then when she took it off she had the sort of feather number where it was like a feather skirt and the feather it was like fringe like so she had multiple layers of her implementation of fringe by having like the wrap jacket with fringe and then the, the outfit underneath um i don't know and i feel like with a fringe runway the like you know, the default is to go with, like, feminine beauty, and she went with feminine strength 
And I was just here for it yeah, because no, it was too. just like, what a power move. Yeah. What a power move. And I, I was, loved it. I know that like the internet has been liking this outfit, but kind of like hating on her shoes. Cause then she put like coral high heel shoes with like a blue feather on the back and like have been like, she should have worn moccasins. She should have made it more complete. I actually feel like she took what was mostly like authentic materials and like color combinations and she did it up. I'm actually totally fucking here for the coral high heels with a gorgeous blue feather flying out. I live for that moment. Like, Honestly, that if she hadn't figured out a way to have moccasin heels, I would have been very insulted that she was wearing moccasins. How dare you wear flats on the RuPaul's Drag Race main stage? <laughs> yeah, like... agreed. Agreed. <laughs> uh, I'll give a brief shout out to Plastique. Yes, it's a bo- yes, it's a leotard. It was beautiful. Like she is, she's a gorgeous queen. Yeah, no, perfectly executed, simple. She's the one who's giving you the most, like, female illusion. Yeah, she, like, classic beauty. Yeah, And right. you can't really argue with classic beauty. And then, like, Scarlet's over here looking like Pearl's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Ugly girls can't come, can't say anything about pretty girls. Um, <laughs> yeah. An ugly girl could never come for a pretty girl. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Raja on Fashion Photo Review was going on about what she loved about Plastique, and she was like, she looks like a very expensive prostitute in Dubai. <laughs> Which, you know from Raja Gemini, that's like a huge compliment. Yes. Like, oh my gosh, yes. That's like what she aspires for. She looks like a very expensive prostitute in Dubai. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. All right, so moving on from the runway. So... Uh, they made a big deal out of the fact that they wouldn't, no one would pin it on anyone else. But at least on the edit we got, that seemed honest. Like, yeah, me I, I think if they tried to blame Raja for Team Captain or Scarlet for saying, oh no, let's stick with Mariah or whatever, I think that would have felt crappier. So, like, I, th- I, I actually kind of respected them all for being like, we'll take our lumps like grownups. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, just a quick shout out. Yeah. Nina West. Let's just cover the winning before we head oh, into the, the train wreck. Yeah, so do, do you, you see West... what this does? Like the, the it was so terrible. We forgot to say something nice about a queen we love who had something nice happen to her. It just sucked yeah, no. joy out of the universe. Go on. For sure, for sure. I I love Nina West. I knew she had this in her. I again, this is the second time in this podcast. I'm going to say this. I feel like Nina West is the first queen on this show where we have like kind of 1970s comedic references of like it's a man in a dress isn't that funny and rarely am i like this needs more straight white male energy i don't know nina's sexual orientation i assume she's gay but uh she has like so much so many classic like old school drag beats but she does them perfectly she's a phenomenal like actor improviser and i'm so fucking glad she had her moment to shine because i knew she would i hope she has more but like for me Watching this, it was such a sigh of relief to watch Nina fucking kill it, impress everybody, and, and like, get a win. What did you think, that girl? Oh, I mean, I think you covered it. I was here for Nina, and I'm glad that she got the win. Um, I think that she got it over Vanjie just because she was a strategist. While Vanjie just, like, face fell into wonderful, like... Nina West plotted out the course and took everybody along on that ride. So she definitely deserved it. Yeah, I think if Vanjie had, like, Evie Oddly's runway, 
and had her performance, she might have like stolen it. But I think I think Van G would have had to like slay the runway. Or at least not worn her third red look in the row. Yeah. 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 So how do we feel about them all lip syncing? So I do agree that the it was as much as it's like these girls know how to play it safe and be like, oh, you know, I take I think all of us collectively are responsible for this. When Ross said, you know what, they're probably right. I completely agree. As much as this is a stunt, I think it was a stunt that was reasonable given how it actually went down, that they were all collectively slowly holding hands and walking off a cliff and that none of them were going to point fingers like if I think this was the right challenge for RuPaul to be like. I don't fuck respect this show anymore. Gimmicks. I want you all to gag. Like this was the show, the episode for him to be like, half the remaining cast is going to lip sync for their life. That's right, bitch. What did you think that girl? Uh, no, I, I thought all of them lip syncing was totally warranted. And I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of enjoyed it. I thought it was a decently good lip sync. I'm not, I don't think anyone like stood out for being wonderful but someone stood out for being really bad. Yep. So I mean, that's cool too. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll say I'll say this about the the septal lip sync. Um, it was earned. My only complaint, much like when they do a three or four person lip sync, like at the end of All Stars two, it's just hard to follow. I'm like they they tried with the split screen. Much better use of the split screen now than at the end of All Stars four. Um, that's my only All-Stars 4 comment of the night, I promise. Um, but it was still very hard to get a thread. My secondary complaint, and this is real technical, but it's half my podcast and I can do that, is they went with the <laughs> dance remix of Waiting for Tonight instead of the original. So it went to thump real early. And I just think as a matter of theatrics, the original song would have allowed for a little more variation and performance. That just jumping right into the dance version kind of diminished just diminished a little for me that's a very very tedious complaint i acknowledge but wait 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 the fact that the only lyrics that they had to sing were waiting for tonight didn't diminish the song waiting for tonight it took all of the gas out of it how can you convey that level of emotion when literally there is only one line it no, is that, a, like... that, that's what I'm saying. Had they gone with the original, that would have built longer and better with more variation, creating a better performance. I think that girl is simply saying your 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 very calculated way of saying that is understated to the point of like, no, they really just shouldn't have played that fucking song. That was a bad choice. Yeah. I mean, like you're I'll saying, it, well, okay, yeah. this is my tiny nitpick. No, this is a huge fucking deal. You know, it was a terrible choice. I do feel like their weight, like production is like, we're looking for drama, girl. We're going real housewives. We aren't looking for this to be like respectable. Who wants respectable? We're playing, we're paying bills. Um, I do agree that it's like, it was a weird song choice and it was impossible to pick everyone. At this point, they edit the show so much that I rarely feel like I really have any idea what happened in the lip sync. So this okay, didn't phase me at but all. But I have one question, which yeah. is the bigger sin because both of them happened. Losing your shoes or, lo- or being bald headed. Like who was bald headed? Uh, I believe Akuria... Akuria lost her amazing, insane headpiece that she obviously didn't have a wig under. I ain't gonna hate on that. No, I'm... Well, I mean, she... Maybe she should have had a wig No. You couldn't... Maybe she should have had that pussy cat. She gagged us in a way that required that she had no wig. I was fine with it. 
I want a wig underneath the gag. All right. <laughs> my thing about the headpiece... She's Roxy Andrews, and she's here to make it clear. Yeah, you better have a wig underneath that thing. No, my... it's coming off, there better be a wig under it. My only thing about the headpiece was, it was I, I was like literally a conspiracy theorist watching it, where it's like, wait, headpiece is on, now headpiece is off. Now the headpiece is back on. Like... <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked if they made him do it twice. Oh, I bet they did. No, it was, um, yeah. To me, Honey lost in the main challenge, lost on the runway, and like did not know the words, but she was not the only one who did not know all the words. And her excuse to that was like, I'm going to get down and do this weird like insect-like crawling thing that my garment does not actually restrict me to have to do. I just made a choice to turn away from you when I should be lip-syncing and flail like a weird animal. To me, it was like, as much as this was a slow train wreck, Honey was the clear choice to send home. I was honestly, I agree fully. I was anticipating a double elimination. So was I. Because it was six people, I was like, they're going to send two home this week. And who would your second one been? Mine would have been Raja. Mine also would have been Raja. Like, she Um, did good in the lip sync, but not good enough to counteract a... Michelle was correct when she called it a bar look uh, on the runway. And a biz... Like the Donner party had better leadership. Um. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you, you, A, you're right. And, but I also think like, there's so much racial tension that being like, we're going to send two Davenports. Like, I think Rue, you know, we all know why Monet exchange got that crown and it wasn't because of her she challenge. won that last challenge. Yeah, you're right. She did win the last challenge and that's why she got the crown. Let's not get into it. Um, she, they, they weren't going to send both Honey and Raja home in a double elimination. That would have just put fuel on a fire that Monet has, you know, obviously reaped benefits from. Well, I, I got to so, say, when they say, when she saved Raja first, I'm like, oh, it's going to be a single elimination because no one else had done bad. Like, by comparison, bad. there was yeah. no other double elimination for me that could have even been justified in the new insane rules of this era of Drag Race. Where Rue really doesn't respect the format anymore and is just fucking with it, which... Honestly, in many ways, I'm like, all right, sure, let's have fun with it. Yeah, if we're gonna if we're gonna go if we're gonna go hog wild, let's go hog wild, bitch. Yeah, this isn't like you know the search for the best drag superstar. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> but I will say this, Honey, like, has a huge like reputation. You know, she's a legend. She's been around for a long time. She is Monet's drag mother. Um, I feel like she's somebody where people expected a lot. So it is sad to see somebody who kind of just didn't do, who was like middle of the road decent the first two episodes and then really struggled the third one go home because she's definitely somebody where I think production tagged her her to be in the like top half of the season. And it would have been nice to have seen her pop in a way that lived up to her legend at some point. Yeah, it was actually, and again, I I know you you don't watch Untucked and it was a good thing you didn't because aside from the silky nonsense... Uh, when she stepped off stage, she literally broke down. It was, I felt bad watching it. I felt ashamed that they, I like, it was like, there's a difference between filming a reality show meltdown and a real meltdown. Of like an artist and entertainer who's worked their life to get here. Yeah, this was real. Like, like, like yeah, like this was like, th- there's a difference between fun reality, consensual voyeurism and I'm actually intruding on this intensely personal moment. Like that poor production assistant who had to like scoop her up and take her the rest of the way to the workroom who clearly did not have the training for it. Um, it, it was just like 
all over my body. I just felt extremely upset. Yeah, no, I, I will say um, the way that they did this, where it was like, you know, plastic, plastic tiara, Shantae, you stay the slow keeping of girls. And then the continuously panning onto honey who I, at that point I was like, well, honey's going home. Um, I, and the like heartbreak in her eyes and the way her face looked when she was like, sure she was leaving. And at the end of that stage, like I have not seen untucked watching that alone. Like was, it felt like there was something crueler to this than I've ever felt before. And it was painful to watch because she obviously is somebody who has a legend she failed to live up to. Um, so yeah, no, like hearing, it was hard hearing you're safe for literally five other people before you go home. Oh yeah. No, yeah. That's, that's a hard thing to swallow. That was much harder than just two girls and one of you, Shantae, you stay. I, I imagine. Like, oh, for sure. Yeah. She, I mean, her lips were trembling. It was it was hard to watch. Yeah. Um. So in terms of so that's that's the elimination and I mean it was it was I think the correct call as sad as that makes everyone. Um. Uh, a, a quick check in for everyone else who who, who watched Untucked. Oh my God, Silky, knock it the fuck off. And then my real concern watching Untucked is they had a shot of Evie smoking outside in her outfit, and I spent 30 seconds paralyzed with terror because if she set herself on fire, she would be dead before we could even get to the fire extinguisher, let alone get back with it. I, that was like the most nerve-wracking sequence of my adult life was watching Evie oddly smoke in her jellyfish costume, which just felt like <laughs> to an unacceptable degree. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. You're adorable. <laughs> I think that's a you problem, but I like that you were like, that's, that whole costume is a fire hazard. I've decided. Um, that's adorable. Yeah, no. Um, this was a, this was, so I'm going to say this. I thought last week's episode was weird, but great. I thought this episode was also weird, but great as much as it was like watching lemmings jump off of a cliff for like half of it. Um, it was almost such a relief to watch the other team just fucking kill it in every way. And then just like to watch this slowly unravel. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it totally gave me Shakespeare season seven. Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Because I was just like, oh, oh, this whole thing. Nothing is good. Nothing's good. The worst thing is some people are not awful. And, like, the other team was like, uh, okay. But, like, this time I was like, oh, at least one of them's good. Yeah, no. Shakespeare Season 7 was infamously bad. I do think that this was... Honestly, I think this was even worse. I I don't. Jasmine Masters really ruined that for me in a way that was like, this isn't even funny. God, you're terrible. Um, she really came back to All-Stars 4 to show she wasn't trying any harder. Well, uh, yeah, that's the chatter on uh, on social media is like, what was worse, Shakespeare or this? I think this went to a lower point. Like, Raja's team was worse than Jasmine Masters' team. But because uh, Nina's team was so great and Ginger's team was just so acceptably mediocre by comparison... 
I think this episode was certainly more enjoyable to watch, whereas like all of that Shakespeare challenge was just tedious. Whereas oh, I agree. That was painful. Joy. That's like that that Shakespeare challenge was to me. It's one of the worst and least enjoyable episodes ever, and it is like worse than even the worst roast challenges where drag queens who do not do roasts or have stand up experience get up there and do amateur open mic night. Shoot me in the face. I can always skip that week. Um, this was nowhere near that, like, painful to watch. Nina's team killed it, and the slow, weird train wreck of this was strangely fascinating to me. Maybe I'm a terrible human being, but it was great. Um, I'm curious if this show is going to keep going in the direction of so many acting challenges. I do think the acting talents of the cast, um certainly like merit it but obviously the the parody writing is not up to your standards ursula the playwright it's not up to anyone's standards who whose standards is this up to identify the person or entity i can take you to several a gay bar here in our hometown of chicago where there are plenty of twinks who can't even identify nonsense oh god (laughs) Why would you do that to me? We're friends. We've been friends for, what, 150 years now? And, like, just, why would you make me encounter people who think this is acceptable? I've been holding on to a grudge for decades now, girl. I'm literally, I I, I feel very attacked right now. <laughs> yeah. So what are your predictions for your, uh, the season or the next episodes mm. in terms of anything, really? I think... I think Mercedes is short for this world. <laughs> yeah. Who, and who I, doesn't? I, who doesn't? Um, I think Vanjie might like, pull out a win. Cause like, Vanjie's been like floating along at like, I'm delightful and amazing. And I think she has to pull out a win-win or that's going to start to feel like Vanjie's skill right now is being like, I fail funny in a way that still feels a notch better than Alyssa Edwards. And if she wants to keep that up, I think she has to yank a win. Whoa, soon. whoa, whoa, bitch. Whoa, whoa. Where is that coming from? No, 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 no. Vanjie delivered her, like, epic little scene in this episode at an 11. Last week was her dorky dad bizarre. Yeah, that was bizarre. Uh, did it work? Yes. Her runways are good, but not good enough to win. Libra was good enough to win. I'll Libra was at Libra. least good enough to Libra. stay on the fucking stage. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I disagree with you that that Alyssa comparison felt completely unmerited. Uh, I think she face falls into funny. She's off the cuff funny in a way that is both drag queen and like male stand up comic. She's a fucking amazing dancer. I think that they're I think that she's going to stick around and I think she's going to win some challenges. I am looking forward to them like giving her more critiques because I feel like they've been treating her like a constant B plus student. And I definitely think they're not going to get rid of her. But there's no way that she's not at least top five. There's no way. Yeah. Uh, so is it too early to start talking top quad? Not, not at all. Hey, it's our fucking podcast. Go yeah. Ahead. I, I think it'll be after this week. I think Nina is more solidly in my top four, if only because she represents. She, she will be like the electoral college candidate for her class of drag queen. And, and you are also of that class of drag queen. Like, I don't think you knew how much Nina West was up your alley until this week. Oh, yeah. No, it's like, I was in the same boat where it's like, I want to like Nina West, says the boy with like a Pandora box and a Bendela creme 
and uh, you know, like th th there's a there there is a school of theatrical old Hollywood humor drag queen that gets me right where I fucking live. And that is where on you paper, live. Nina West should hit that, and she just hadn't those first two weeks. So when she really nailed this week, I'm like, okay, now like you're in. Like I'm sorry, if Nina West has never actually lip synced to Porn Fortunate Souls covered head to toe in violet paint, I'll leave. She my actually hat. had a live show of uh the little mermaid that literally played through like three weeks ago yeah. in uh columbus yeah. so yes she she routinely is Ur ursula there we go um so yeah. i think it'll be nina vangie um plastique Evie's going to be high, I think. Evie, and, rather. And I, I would, yeah, I would round out top four Evie. I think Scarlet will stick around for a while just because she's now also the trade. Um, but I could see her going home as top five. Yeah, and I think Akira and uh, Brooklyn Ooh, Heights are going to be yeah. higher. I don't know. I think, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I feel like... I. I what is it? I feel like Silky, like, I don't know. I think she's going to make it really far, even with, like, whatever happened during Untucked this week. It was bad, y'all. It was it was real bad. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I, I won't even suggest you watch it, because I care about you as people and wouldn't want to subject you to it. It was bananas. All um, right. All right, and I think this is a good time to wrap things up then and transition to uh, reading from that girl down the street that you don't like. Hey there, it's that girl down the street that you don't like, and I'm here with your weekly reading for Honey Davenport. Let's get started. Okay, honey, your cards are the Ace of Pentacles, the Six of Swords, and the Wheel of Fortune. Whew. Honey, take a deep breath. It's gonna be okay. No, seriously, it's gonna be okay, girl. I see the Ace of Pentacles first. It, usually with all aces, it signifies some sort of new endeavor, and lucky for you, pentacles mean money, honey. You're going to have a new endeavor, obviously, and it's going to bring you a lot of wealth, fortune, and prosperity. So don't trip up too much, honey. You got this. Your second card is the Six of Swords. Unlike most sword cards, which are, you know, full of passion and conflict, the Six of Swords signifies a journey, moving to a new location in some sort of way. But it's a journey you can manage. Your destination is in sight. Your final card is the Wheel of Fortune. Now, the Wheel of Fortune, it usually indicates some sort of change in fortune, and then this position for the better. I see good things for you, honey. So, you know, chin up. I know things didn't pan out how you wanted them to, 
but based on these three cards, I see you starting some sort of new endeavor. It'll be a journey that you can ultimately manage, and it'll bring you good fortune in the end. Lots of luck. Best to you, honey. Looks like things are gonna be sweet. Club 96. All right, so that's the episode for this week. Uh, read, rate, and review us on Stitcher and iTunes, and tell all your friends and frenemies and enemies and business associates and tricks. You know, we, we need the viewers, the listeners, whatever they're called now. Uh, and that's it. Lance. <laughs> Lance. Bye. Bye. Bye.